Good morning for those of you joining us online as well. We're so glad that you are with us today. I hope some of you had a good spring break, especially our teachers who are in the house. We, we pray that you had some time to recuperate, and we're praying for you tomorrow as you head back to school. Uh, all the parents are celebrating uh, as we get to send our kids back to school. We had a good time this week with our kids, got to spend, do, we just hung around, uh, but got to do a couple special things together. We went on a bike ride. Our youngest son, David, learned how to ride his bike without training wheels in the last couple of weeks, so we thought it would be a good idea to go on a long bike ride. And actually, of all four of my kids, David was like, you know, pedaling like crazy the whole time. All the rest of them were like, Dad, I'm so tired. And David said, Dad, I'm tired, but I'm not giving up. I mean, there's something about being the youngest kid, right? You got to prove that you can, you know, you can do it. But we had a good time. Hope you had some time to, uh, students, to, to get, get things together as you head back into school next week. And teachers, we really are praying for you, grateful for you. We've been in this series called Family Foundation, and we've been talking about God's plan for the family. Week one, we started by talking about our foundation as families, as, as married couples and as parents and as, as generations together. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 that a wise man builds his house on the rock, and when the storms of life pound on that house, it will stand firm. So we talked about the importance of building our homes, building our families on a foundation of Jesus Christ and who he is. There's lots of things that we could choose to build our life upon. Arthur talked about this morning, there's lots of things that we can put our hope in or, or try to find as a place of rest Unless it's Jesus Christ, his promises and his faithfulness, those things will never accomplish what we want them to accomplish. Sometimes we try to build the foundation of our home on our spouse or on our kids or even on our legacy, and even those things do not hold up over time. Only the Lord can build a house, a family, a home that will last from generation to generation. The next week we looked at marriage specifically and what it means to have a Christ-centered marriage from Genesis chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 19 and Ephesians chapter 5, this principle of a man leaving his father and mother and being joined to his wife, the two becoming one flesh. Talked about the, the vulnerability that that requires and how because of sin we hate vulnerability. But if we're going to have strong marriages, we've got to be honest and and clear with one another, and, and again, Christ is the center of all that. Arthur last week talked about family and the importance of raising our kids to set their hope in Christ Jesus. All of these messages from our family series are going to be on our church website, and you can check those out if you want to get caught up. But today, I want to talk about the importance of this church community, this church body, this church family, and local church bodies the importance of the church in the lives of our individual families. Because it's important to have strong marriages and it's important to raise our kids to put their hope in Jesus Christ. But if we, if we want faith to last from generation to generation in our families, we need each other. 
We need a, a body of believers to come alongside us, to encourage us, to, to pray for us, to watch our babies in the nursery, to invest in us as parents, to invest in our kids. We need to come alongside and invest in others. We need a place where we're deeply rooted. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I love Orlando Baptist Church, and one of the things I love most about this church is we are truly a multi-generational church, an intergenerational church. We've got six generations represented in this church family, and so here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you to stand up by generation, okay? And as we do that, uh, so I'll tell, you, I'll tell you when to stand up, okay? And as I do that, I, I want you to look around at the room and to, just to see the different generations that are represented in this room. Now, the youngest generation is in OBC Kids right now, and they're in the nursery, um, and so we're not going to have them stand up. But the first generation uh, are those who were born after 1997, okay? Those who are born after, in the year or after 1997. This is Generation Z, okay? So if that's you, come on, stand up. I know, I know you're in here. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Yeah, there you Yeah, okay, okay. All right, let's give them a hand. Stay standing. All right. So, uh, no, stay standing, stay standing. All right. And so the next generation are the millennials. And these are people who were born in the year 1981 or after the year 1981. So if that's you, stand up. 81 or younger. If that's you, stand up. Yep. It's a bunch of people in the room. Okay. Now, the next generation is the best generation. This is Gen X, okay? So uh, if you're born um, 1965 or later, 1965 or later, stand up. This is Gen X right here, okay? This is the cynical generation. All right. Cool, okay, okay, okay. The next generation are the baby boomers. So after 1946, are all of our baby boomers stand up after 1946? Okay, there's a bunch of them because they're the baby boomers. We can give them a hand too. Sorry, uh, Gen X and millennials, if you felt left out, let me give you a hand. And then finally, uh, those who were born before 1946. Everybody else, that's everybody else in the room. If you were born before 1946. I'm so grateful for all the generations. Stay standing because we're going to read scripture together this morning while I've got you standing. This scripture comes out of Psalm 145. We're going to read seven verses. And... Um, Let's do it by reading back and forth, okay? So I'll read the first verse, you read the second verse. You can read along right off the screen. So I'll read verse one. It says, I exalt you, my God, the King, and bless your name forever. And now you read. Every day I will praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Now you read. One generation will declare your works to the next and proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. Now you read. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts. And I will declare your greatness. And let's all read together verse 7. They will give a testimony of your great goodness 
and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we've had this morning to reflect on your greatness and on your promises and on your faithfulness to us. And Lord, thank you for the generations gathered in this room. And thank you that we can declare your faithfulness from generation to generation. Lord, let that be the testimony and the story of this church body. That we would be a church of generations that declare, proclaim your faithfulness and your greatness. Lord, we pray that you will be honored in our time together. Speak to us through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. All right. Well, Psalm 145, verse 4 is really our key uh, verse for the message this morning. It's the goal for our message this morning, and it says, One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. One generation will declare your works to the next. The the idea here is not just one generation will declare your works to the next and then it's over. One generation will declare your works to the next, who will declare your works to the next generation, who will declare your works to the next generation, and the generation after that. And we will continually declare the faithfulness and the goodness and the works of God, his mighty acts, all that he has done. This morning, what I want us to see is there is a lot at stake. The book of Judges, chapter 2, tells us this, verse 10, that whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. That's a really nice way of saying they all died. The whole generation was gathered to their ancestors, and after them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. If we don't faithfully proclaim God's faithfulness and his works from generation to generation, one day there will be a generation that rises up who does not know God, who does not put their hope in God, who does not understand his faithfulness. And of course, we can see even today, there is generations that are being lost to the hope and the good news of Jesus Christ. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, as a local church body right here in Orlando, Florida, we have a responsibility. We have the privilege of declaring God's faithfulness from generation to generation. And if we're going to be the kind of church that faithfully declares God's faithfulness from one generation to the next, if we're going to be the kind of families, the kind of homes that declare God's faithfulness from one generation to the next, then we have to have a church body. We have to be connected to a church body. We have to be connected to a community of believers because it, we can do a lot on our own as families to instill faith in God and our children, but we need others to come alongside us to encourage us and to help us. It is how God clearly designed faith to be lived out throughout Scripture. I mean, the book of Psalms over and over says, come together, come together and declare his faithfulness. In the New Testament, we see the importance of the church and God's people coming together. We have to have a church that comes together in order to declare God's faithfulness from generation to generation. 
There's two quick principles from this passage that I want us to see, and then I'm going to take just some time and really try to be really practical in what this looks like in our lives. I want to tell you what it has looked like in my life in the past and why I'm excited about my kids growing up in this church. Here's the first thing we see from Psalm 145. We need to exalt God above all else. We need to exalt God above all else. The passage starts in verse 1. I exalt you, my God, the King, and bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. That passage starts off by making much of who God is. And if we're going to be the kind of church and the kind of families that declare God's faithfulness from generation to generation to generation, then we have to exalt God above all else. We can get caught up in lots of other things. Even as a church, we can get caught up in tradition. We can get caught up in innovation. We can get caught up in lots of other things besides who God is. And when we do that, we, we are not declaring God's faithfulness from generation to generation. I was thinking about tradition, and there's lots of churches um, that have been based primarily on tradition. And, and you know, that's just what we do. Uh, it's just what we do. We just show up, and we just do our thing, and we don't really know why, and we don't really ask a lot of questions. It's, it's just what we do, and over time, we see those churches dying off. I mean, if you go around this city, there's empty church buildings everywhere. And you have to ask yourself the question, why is that? And I wonder if it's because people get more caught up in their opinions and their traditions instead of God's faithfulness, and they, and they start to declare ideas and traditions and preferences to the next generation instead of declaring the faithfulness of God from generation to generation. My dad used to tell a story um, about a pot roast, and so some of y'all will remember this story. So there was this mom, and she was making a pot roast, and her daughter was in the kitchen, and she was helping her, and she cut the ends off the pot roast and then put it in the pot and began to cook it. And her daughter said, Mom, why do you cut the ends off the roast? That's, that's a, those are good pieces of meat, and you're just throwing them away. She says, well, that's how my mom always did it, so you'll have to ask her. So eventually, uh, her grandma was in town, and, and she was in the kitchen, and they were making a pot roast together. And she said, Grandma, why did you teach Mom to cut the roast, cut the ends off the roast before she put it in the pot? She said, well, because that's the way my mom always did it. So uh, one of these days, you'll have to ask your great-grandma why she cuts the ends off the roast. So the little granddaughter said, okay. Well, one day, great-grandma was in town, and wouldn't you know, they were in the kitchen making a pot roast. Right, Arthur and Jess? They were making that pot roast. <laughs> and they cut the ends off the pot roast and put it in the pot. Uh, and the little girl said to the great-grandma, why, why, why do we cut the ends off the pot roast to put it, to cook it? And the great-grandma said, well, I don't know why your mom cuts the ends off of her roast, but I cut the ends off of my roast because the pot was too small to fit the whole roast in it. Her pot's plenty big. She doesn't need to cut the ends off the pot roast. And, you know, that's a silly little story, but there's so many things in our life. We don't really know why we do it. We just do it. And we don't ask a lot of questions. And so many times the church can become more about tradition, the way we do what we do, and 
you know, the way we like things. And when that happens, we begin to lose a generation who says, why do we do it like that? And we say, I don't know, don't ask questions. <laughs> and that generation says, if this is all there is to it, it's just not that interesting to me. Because it's about tradition, it's about preference, it's about opinion, instead of God's faithfulness. And look, every generation does things a little bit differently. And as a church, we have to keep the main thing the main thing. That is God's faithfulness. That is exalting God. That is lifting up the name of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it might look a little different from generation to generation. This Thursday, we're going to have Young at Heart in this building right here. That's our senior adults. My grandparents are sitting right over here, and they'll be here for Young at Heart, I think. Um, and Young at Heart is, is primarily designed for our senior adults, and it looks different at Young at Heart than youth group on Wednesday nights. <laughs> the music is different. The clothes are different. The message is different. But the focus is the same. We declare God's goodness and his faithfulness. And one day, 50 or 60 years from now, if we're still having a Young at Heart service, we'll have a bunch of people in here wearing skinny jeans with a little, with a little band, you know, doing contemporary worship songs. Because every generation does it a little bit different. And their grandkids are gonna go, man, they are so weird. <laughs> You know, generations have always uh, looked at each other and, and complained. Let me read you a quote. The children now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders and love chatter in place of exercise. Children are now tyrants, not the servants of their households. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents. They chatter before company. They gobble up food at the table. They tyrannize their teachers. That was a quote from Aristophanes in 400 B.C. <laughs> Here's another quote. We defy anyone who goes about with his eyes open to deny that there is, as never before, an attitude on the part of young folk which is best described as grossly thoughtless, rude, and utterly selfish. That was from a British newspaper in the 1920s. Every generation looks at the generation that's coming along after them, and they say, yeah, they're not doing it right. And the generation that is behind that's looking ahead says, what? They are so out of touch. They don't know anything. <laughs> and that happens when we get caught up in our traditions and our preferences and our styles instead of God's faithfulness. And it's one thing for that to happen in the culture around us, but when that happens in the church, there is an eternal consequence to that. So if we're going to be a church that declares God's faithfulness from generation to generation, then we've got to be a church that keeps the main thing the main thing, exalting God, making much of God, making much of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why, as a church, we like to get our kids involved in ministry. I, I hope you'll take some of those Easter invite cards that are sitting on the benches around you, and I hope you'll encourage your kids to pray for somebody that they could invite 
to the Easter service. When we have Missions Week every November as a church and we talk about what God is doing through world missions all around the world, we like to get our kids to be a part of that and to hear from missionary families about what God is doing and about the calling that God has placed on their life because we want our kids to know that what is important at this church is the gospel of Jesus Christ and declaring his faithfulness from generation to generation. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And church, I am so grateful for you because at this church, we keep the main thing the main thing. We have differences. We have preferences. There's songs that we like that are different than the songs that another generation likes. Some of us wear suit and ties. Some of us don't. Some of y'all are wearing flip-flops to church. But we keep the main thing the main thing. And if we're going to be a church that declares God's faithfulness from generation to generation, then we've got to declare his faithfulness and make the gospel central to all we do. God's word is practical, and we need to declare his faithfulness. Here's the other thing I want us to see this morning. Verse 4 says... One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. That word declare doesn't mean teach. It doesn't mean just give ideas. And as we think about declaring God's faithfulness to the next generation, we have to understand the difference between inspiration and instruction. Because we can instruct a younger generation we can tell them all about doctrine. We can tell them all about theology. We can tell them what the Bible says, but they need more than that. They need to be inspired. They need you to tell them practically how was God faithful in your life? Not just about God, not just about who he is and what he can do, but what he has done in your life. We declare his faithfulness from generation to generation. We need to listen to each other. We need to talk to each other. You have a story to tell. You have a story of God's faithfulness, and somebody needs to hear it. I'm so grateful for a church um, that is full of people who have been here a long time. This church is uh, almost 65 years old, and when this church was started, this was just a grass field with a little farmhouse. Cimarron Boulevard was a dirt road, and there were people who were here at the beginning. And they got together, and they raised some money to buy this little piece of land. And then they got some more money together, and they built a little cinder block building where they would have church services. And Ray and Ann Adams, who were a part of our church family, were one of the families here at the very beginning. And I remember Ray Adams telling me a story about he and a, a couple other men of the church getting together and building benches. They just got some wood planks and, and nailed them on some legs, and they made benches for the first church service that was held in the little cinder block building across the campus. It's still there. It's where the library is, the school library is now. Uh, Bob Caraballo's class meets in that building during our Bible study hour. And then they, then they built a couple more buildings, and eventually they built the small auditorium over here in the 60s. And there's some, there's some people in this church who were baptized in that small auditorium. I think Todd Wells 
told me he was baptized in there. And there's some families who have been a part of this church for lots of generations. The, the Wells family sitting over here and the Hearns and the Kipnicks who were raised in this church family and they're four generations deep. Man, I praise God for that. It's a story of God's faithfulness from generation to generation. There's so many others uh, who, who have been here and, and who have raised kids here and now who are raising grandkids here. People were faithful. I, look, I grew up in this church. If y'all didn't know, when I was eight years old, my family moved to Orlando and uh, we got to be a part of this church. And uh, there are incredible memories I have of people who invested in my life. The first time I went to Sunday school, Kirk Kipnick uh, was the Sunday school director, and I was new, and I came and sat down, and, and it felt a little awkward, and, and they sang me a song. All the kids say, there's a welcome here, there's a welcome here, there's a Christian welcome here, hallelujah, there's a welcome. That's what we did back in the day. I felt welcome. What really made me feel welcome is, is Kirk said, okay, whoever's it's your first time, you can come up here on stage and you can stick your hand in this jar that has candy and dollar bills in it and however much you can pull out, you can keep it. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> Dallas McLaurin was the superintendent for the kids' Sunday school. I had a Sunday school teacher in fourth grade named Bill Burgess and his arm was, were covered in tattoos, these old Navy tattoos with like girls in bikinis and stuff. And the man only wore short sleeves. And he would tell us, now boys, don't get these tattoos like this. Well, cover them up, man, I, you know. <laughs> We're in fourth grade. But I didn't forget it, I'm just saying. Bill and Dee Harris were the children's church directors when I was in elementary school, we would go over there and sing songs and, you know, there was no projectors, so we held up these, like, poster boards that had the words for the songs and we had all these kids' songs with motions and something about one day in outer space, God has prepared a place for those who trust him and obey. Y'all know that one, some of you. We learned about Sunday School Charlie and his buddy Red from a, the other side of the tracks and I, I remember those stories, but more than anything else, I remember people who invested in my life. A few years ago, I got to do um, the funeral service for Bill and Dee Harris. And I got to tell stories about these people who invested in my life. That's what a church is. And if we're going to be a church that declares God's faithfulness from generation to generation, we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And it can't just be information, we've got to inspire a younger generation with God's faithfulness. And how do we do that? We do that by loving a younger generation. Miss Pat, I just heard her say that's right. Miss Pat was a Sunday school teacher for our little kids forever and ever. Miss Pat in the hat. A bunch of y'all had her as a Sunday school teacher. That's what it means to be a church that's multi-generational. Um, younger families, some of y'all need to take some of these older couples to lunch one Sunday. And you just need to ask them how they did it. How'd they raise their kids in the church? And 
and you just maybe, maybe ask them about what it was like. You know, when, when they were, when, when they were, uh, when they were younger and, and a part of this church and just hear some of those stories because I promise you, hearing what, how God has been faithful in the past, man, every time I get with Brother Dallas, he'll catch me out here on the sidewalk and we'll start talking and he'll start telling me stories and he, doesn't, he does not forget a name. He know if, if he's ever met you, you know, he knows your name. He starts to talk about God's faithfulness through the years. And man, I'm excited when that's over with. I'm excited to hear about God's faithfulness. Lisa Cooper is sitting right back here on the back. And when I was in middle and high school, she and her husband Scott were the youth directors. And we used to go to their house and they would let us have sleepovers and we would turn all of their furniture upside down. And when they woke up in the morning, the tables and the chairs and... And they let us keep coming back. <laughs> and we learned how to be a community of young people that kept the main thing the main thing. When I was a college student, I got to preach for the first time on a Sunday night in this auditorium, standing right up here. And still today, I have notes from Miss Betty Burkett sitting right back here, and I've got a note from Darlene Biggs, and I've got a note from Lisa Cooper from the very first time I preached. And I'm sure it was terrible. Uh, they probably didn't know. I probably spoke really fast. But I have these notes. It's, you know, I've got them in my truck. I was going to bring them in here, but I left them in my truck. I forgot. That's what it means to declare God's faithfulness from generation to generation. It's one generation investing into the next generation. You know what? Hey, I'm proud of you goes a really, 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 really long way. I want to encourage some of our older generation as you see young families around here. Even if you don't know them and you see their kids running around, just go say, I'm really proud of you for having your family in church. That's powerful. And say it in front of their kids too so their kids can hear you say that to their parents. That's, that's really good. That's declaring God's faithfulness from generation to generation. And younger folks, younger families, you need to get to know some of our senior adults and you just need to tell them thank you because that goes a long way too. Thank you for your investment in this church over the generations. Thank you for, for being faithful Thank you for just being here and letting my kids see you worship and be a part of this church family and know what it means to be a part of a church. Parents, you need these people in this room in your life. You need peers who are at the same stage of life as you to encourage you. You need people who are a little bit ahead of you to mentor you. Find, look around, find somebody and ask them to go to lunch or to dinner or a cup of coffee sometime. Some of our older families, find a younger family and ask them to go to lunch. I promise they won't think it's weird, especially if you pay. They'll think it's awesome. <laughs> That's what it means to declare God's faithfulness from generation to generation. It's not just information, it's investment. It's inspiration. 
It's time. It's the story of God's faithfulness. In Titus chapter 2, Paul tells young Titus, instruct the older men to be faithful in the church. Instruct the older women to encourage the younger women. In 1 and 2 Timothy, Paul gives instructions to young Timothy who's leading a church on, on how he can help the church invest in one another's lives. So who are you telling about God's faithfulness? Who are you sharing God's faithfulness with? Is there, is there a younger generation in this church that you are intentionally investing in? If there's not, there should be. There should be. Younger generation, who are you intentionally thanking and asking for advice and asking, asking for tips and pointers and encouragement? If you don't have that person, find them. The room is full of them. Find them and ask. Some of you are here and you don't have family in town. There, there are some great grandparents in this room that could adopt your, grand, your kids. I'm just saying. They're really good ones. And some of y'all need to adopt some grandkids. I got grandkids of my own. I know. But there's some other kids in this church who, who need a hug too. And they need somebody that they can look forward to seeing every week. There was just, uh, I just read an article this week I think from uh, Inc. Magazine uh, that talked about the importance of grandkids, or I'm sorry, grandparents in kids' lives. That kids who spend a lot of time around grandparents or an older generation, just they, they are more socially aware, they are more empathetic, they are more kind. Studies have showed that over and over again. And so we need each other. Besides God's Command, just practically, we need each other. We need each other. Families, that's not going to happen if you don't let your roots grow deep. If you just show up every once in a while and slip in and slip out, then, then you're not going to build those kind of relationships that we're talking about today. If you just show up when it's convenient, it just doesn't work. You've got to let your roots grow deep. And it might take a little while. It might take a little while to find some people that you can connect with deeply. We do our best to try to help people connect through small groups and through Bible study hour and, and different venues and places. But it might take you a little while, but just stay, just stay, just stay and keep coming until you connect with the right people who will make a difference forever and ever and ever in your life and in your kids' lives. And parents who are raising kids, get your kids in church, even if they don't want to be here get their butt up and get them in church. It's good for them. It's like brushing their teeth. You make them do that, don't you? 
probably twice a day. If they're like my boys, they go turn the water on and pretend like they were brushing their teeth and then you walk in the bathroom and the toothbrush is still there with toothpaste on it. But, you know, so you got to double check sometimes. When I was a kid, people had to double check because I would, I, would I, I would go over to the uh, children's church and I would tell them that I was coming in big church and then I would just go run around the back of the auditorium and hide out. For, I only did that a couple times. I was pretty scared the whole time because if I had gotten caught, I would have gotten in big trouble. Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. If we will declare God's faithfulness to the next generation, then they will declare his mighty acts to the generation after them. And it's vital and it's important. Because as Judges 2 teaches us, if we don't, then one day there will be a generation who doesn't know God. So, all of our messages for the last few weeks, our, our application at the end of the message is this, pray for it, prepare for it, and practice it. Pray for it, prepare for it, and practice it. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Begin to pray. If you're from an older generation, I want you to pray, God, help me to find a younger family in the church that I can invest in. God, help me to find a, a, a young family in the church that, that needs me because we need you. Let me just be really clear. We need you. 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 And I know sometimes um, as we get older, we feel like people don't need us anymore. But we need you. I promise we need you. So begin to pray. God, show me, show me somebody that... I could invest in that, that needs my encouragement. And younger families, I want to ask you to begin to pray. God, show me somebody that can invest in our family. Help me to connect with, with an older family, and uh, uh, somebody who has some experience that we don't have to help us and to encourage us and to invest in the lives of my kids. Hey, parents, you know this. You can tell your kids something a hundred times and then one day they come home and they tell you, yeah, I was in Bible study hour and, you know, they said this and so, and, and, and so I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And you think, I've told you that a hundred times. I've told you that a thousand times. And now your little college Bible study teacher tells you that and you're like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to do that. You know what? That's how it works, parents. So you need those other voices in your kids' lives besides your own that are reinforcing the same things you're telling your kids at home. You need them. You need them. And we have incredible volunteers who invest in the lives of our students. Danielle Adams leads our OBC Kids Nurseries and Preschool. And you know what? Danielle could uh, use some volunteers right now. We're trying to get our baby nursery open back up for Easter and then following Easter, and we need some people who will go and serve and take care of our babies. That means you'll have to change some diapers, but they are so cute when they're not having to have their diaper changed. <laughs> but you can invest in those kids by holding them and singing to them and loving them. 
Sarah Har leads our OBC kids, and right now they're having a service, and there's people who are investing in your kids, who are reinforcing the truths of God's word. Don Jacobson is leading our Alive Student Ministries right now. By the way, when Michael and Shelby moved a few weeks ago, uh, Don stepped in. He's been volunteering in Alive, and Don has stepped up as our youth leader right now in this season. And so be praying for Don Jacobson as he leads that team and leads our youth ministry. But we've got an incredible team of volunteers every Wednesday night that invest in the lives of our middle and high school students. We've got a young adult uh, gathering that takes place on Sunday nights that's led by Tammy Argwin. We need each other. Parents, you need people investing in the lives of your kids. And you need others who are investing in your own life. So be praying, God, help me to find those people. And then prepare for it. Prepare for it. That means walk across the room and make the connection. Say, hey, could I take you out for lunch? Could I take you out for a cup of coffee? Could we have you over to the house? And then practice it. Begin to live out that intergenerational picture of God's faithfulness. When this happens in the life of a church, there is nothing more compelling. We live in a in a culture today where families are more fractured than they ever have been. And when, we, when you can come into a place where multiple generations invest in and encourage and strengthen and love younger generations, and when younger generations invest in and love and serve the generations that have come before them, man, that is radical. That's radical. And I think there's nothing more compelling than to walk into a place where people from every generation and every walk of life and every culture can come together and love and serve one another. And that is declaring God's faithfulness to the next generation. And when our kids see that lived out, that's compelling for our kids. They know what's, they know what's real. <laughs> we need that. That's the kind of church we want to be we do that by declaring God's faithfulness. We do that by investing. There's a group of people over the generations who have invested and, and made this gathering possible. In 1972, they built this building, the place where we are gathered, and people got together and gave and invested. And this building almost closed down in the 80s, and they got some money together to pay a tax bill to get it open back up. Over, over the generations, this, this auditorium used to have purple shag carpet. Then it had this kind of mauve pink carpet. And uh, then it had green carpet. And there were walls all the way along across the back of the building. I saw an old picture of that the other day. And I was sitting right there on the front row wearing a tie because that's what we used to do. And then about 20 years ago, it's been 20 years since the last time we redid this auditorium and we painted the pews and we built these round things and changed the stage around a little bit. This coming summer, we're going we're gonna to do a facelift in the auditorium again. And so in the next few weeks, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about how we can invest in that. But from generation to generation, the investment of time and attention 
of relationships, of finances. And if we want to be families that are built on a solid foundation, if we want to have strong marriages, if we want to raise our kids to put their hope in Jesus Christ, we need each other. So let's pray for it, let's prepare for it, and let's practice it. We're going to sing, uh, Just Great Is Thy Faithfulness. And this morning as we sing this song about God's faithfulness, I want to ask you to be praying. I want us to all be praying for our youngest generations in this church, that they would experience God's faithfulness for themselves, that they would come to know who God is, that they would experience his reality in their lives, that it would change and transform them, that they would live their lives in a way that people know that they are followers of Jesus. Let's all be praying for that. Let's also be praying that we would find people who could invest in us and people who we could invest into. Let's just pray and be thankful for those who have come before us, who have made this gathering possible, those who have invested and given and served faithfully. And then let's begin to live it out. Church, I'm grateful for how you do that. So many of you but I want to encourage all of us. Let's declare God's faithfulness from generation to generation. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the gift of your church, for the gift of your gathered body of believers. God, we thank you for the gift of one another. And your word is so full of instructions for how we care for one another and pray for one another and are patient with one another and carry one another's burdens and forgive one another, restore one another, encourage one another, stir each other up to love and good works. And you told us the way that we love one another will declare that we are your sons and daughters, your disciples. So, Lord, let us be a church that keeps the main thing the main thing, your glory and your gospel. And, Lord, let us talk about your faithfulness and talk about your goodness and share all that you have done in our lives with those who are coming behind us so that they would know that you are faithful. So, Lord, thank you for this church body. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name.